Worship songwriters. Writing a worship song can be as simple as a four-step process. I said simple, not easy. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today we're in part one of how to write a worship song. We're talking about worship lyrics. But before we get into that, I want to give you something. If you click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks, you can get access to my free PDF guide called 25 chart topping arrangement tricks that work. Say you're a worship leader with a worship team in practice and you have a song that's okay, but you wish that there was something else going on there. This PDF gives you 25 great ideas for arrangement tricks that you can use to grab people's attention and hold people's attention. It gives you a couple of sentences about why that trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio so that you can hear that trick in action. Again, it's blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Also, I'll be sending you some stuff in your inbox that I do not send anywhere else out on social media, so be looking for that. Also, I wanted to let you know that my online course, Sparkling Electric Guitar, is on sale for only $35. It's an excellent course for an electric guitarist who wants to learn more about how to play electric guitar with a modern worship team. You learn how to leave space, play less, and be loved more for it. You learn what your role is and what everybody else is doing in the band rather than just, I don't know, soloing and power chords. This will absolutely take your electric guitar playing to the next level because you'll be playing smarter, not harder. Just visit blueprintsounds.com. All right, let's get to today's topic, how to write a song in four steps. So we're gonna be using a song that I wrote called Make It Your Home, and I'm gonna show you the four things that my song contains that your song will need to contain when you're writing a worship song. The first is called The Setup, and the setup is verse one. So let's read through verse one, and then I'll explain what verse one is accomplishing. The highest heavens can't contain you, for you set your throne upon the clouds. For years we longed to see that kingdom, but the waiting of our souls is over now. For you sent your Son to be our center, the temple where your glory dwells. His blood has made a way to enter, so every heart would have their own Emmanuel. And then the pre-chorus is, So write on my heart and rise in my heart. So what is the purpose of the setup? What, what is verse 1 for? Well, it does a couple things. First, it establishes the setting. So when you read the first lyric, the highest heavens can't contain you, that has a very high and high, obviously, lofty, you know, big sounding for you set your throne upon the clouds. That gives us a setting. And it also does the second thing, which is to grab attention, right? So in that, the highest heavens can't contain you, I'm clearly referencing scripture, but I'm talking about the bigness and the majesty and the, and the glory of God. But as we go through the verse, it starts to zoom in. And that's the third thing that the purpose of the verse one is, is to lead us to the chorus. So just getting to the chorus real quick, the, my one big thought, my chorus is, come and make it your home. That's the lyric that matters most in the chorus. And so now if we go back to the verse, 
The first lyric of the verse is, The highest heavens can't contain you, for you set your throne upon the clouds. Very large. But as we zoom in and we get to the end of the verse, His blood has made a way to enter, talking about Jesus, so every heart would have their own Emmanuel. Ah, so we started big, but we zoom and zoom and zoom. It's like one of those Google Earth things where it gets in and in and all the way down to one heart and having their own Emmanuel. And then in the pre-chorus, we really drive that home. So write on my heart and rise in my heart. We started by talking about clouds and even heaven can't continue. God, you're that big. But by the end of the verse, we're talking about my heart. So it's, it's this telephoto lens. That's the purpose of verse one. And that's setting up our chorus. The second thing that your song needs is the one big thought, and that's what I call the chorus, the one big thought. Let's read through it. Come and make it your home. Deep calls out to deep. You alone are worthy of a living offering. Come and make it your home. The gates are opening. Glory in the highest. Let the earth receive her king. Come and make it your home. So what is the purpose of the one big thought, a.k.a. the chorus? Is you're saying three things. Remember this, right? So my my main lyric, come and make it your home, I say it at the beginning, I say it at the middle, and I say it at the end. So it's pretty obvious what we want uh, to remember. Come and make it your home. Also, sing along. I want people to sing along with come and make it your home. And then the third thing, the third purpose of the one big thought is this matters most. Take away everything else. I only want you to think, you being the audience, I only want you to think about this one thought, and that is that the Lord would come and make it his home. Now, what is it? Well, that's kind of the fun thing about this chorus is that this whole song is about two things. It's about big stuff and small stuff. So remember how in verse one, I started out really big, the highest heavens can't contain you. And by the end of it, I zoomed into right on my heart, rise in my heart. Well, come and make it your home is sort of the opposite. At the beginning, it's clear that we're talking, it is my heart, come and make my heart your home. Okay, but as we go through the chorus, the gates are opening, glory in the highest, let the earth receive her king, come and make it your home. Oh, by the end of the chorus, it is talking about the earth, because that's our other prayer, that the Lord would come, like that's, you know, Jesus' prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. So the chorus is about two things at the same time. Make it your home, my heart. Make it your home, the entire earth. So it's one thought, but it encapsulates two things. But again, it's still just one big thought, come and make it your home. All right, let's move on to the third thing that your song has to have. The reason to continue. All right, this is where songwriters make it or break it. This is verse two. All right, let's say that you had a great lead up. You really paid it off with a great big thought. You've got a great first verse and a great chorus. Okay, now what? The purpose of your second verse is to involve contrast. A new thought, you need to bring in conflict, you need to change time or space, or you need to have something that reframes the chorus. What I often see is that people will write a great first verse, they'll get, they'll get really um, 
uh, what's the word? They'll have a lot of affinity for their chorus. They'll think that was awesome. They get to verse two and it's clear that they didn't have anything else to say. So they ended up rehashing verse one, or they ended up rehashing their chorus, or they have a verse two that doesn't make logical sense with their chorus, right? It it doesn't make sense in time. It doesn't make sense in space. They just kind of, they phoned it in, you know, and that verse two, when you, when you do that, if you don't give your audience a reason to continue to listen, they won't, they will tune out and you might lose them. You may or may not get them back in the next chorus. And so often what happens is if the song itself can't, if the, if the second verse can't keep people's attention, uh, you hear people trying to get the job done with arrangement or so you're like, okay, um, let's make verse two's drums really big. And so they, they do something exciting musically, but it's, it's actually a distraction from the fact that verse two is no good. Or they'll say, well, let's take that. Who? how about we take that up an octave? Okay, yeah, but if it if it doesn't make sense, if the verse two doesn't actually grab you in what it's saying and the content, then the way that you sing it is only going to help so much. Or the vocalist will, maybe they'll feel that they can't articulate what's wrong with verse two, but then they'll do all sorts of riffs on verse two and try and make it more exciting um, in the way that they perform something. Or I've seen this where you just cut verse two in half. You're like, okay, this is so boring. We just need half of a verse. Let's get back to the chorus because everybody wants to sing the chorus. Don't let that be you. If you need to cut it in half, if, if that's what the song needs, then that's what the song needs. But again, the purpose of verse two is a reason for somebody to continue listening to your song. So let's take a look at my verse two. All rise, our God is in his splendor. All fall, O holy is the Lord. He gives his son the highest honor, for the nations of the earth are his reward. Let my life be added to his treasure. Let our praise be pleasing unto him. With one voice we speak to all creation singing, open up and let the kingdom in. So write on my heart and rise in my heart. This whole song is about zooming out, zooming in, zooming out, zooming in. All rise, our God is in his splendor, right? So make it your home. Okay, he's talking about our heart. But then in verse two, here we are again, God is big, right? All rise, that's kind of a court reference. All fall, okay, it's talking about the honor that we give the Lord. Oh, but then we see the Lord giving we see God giving Jesus the highest honor because he's giving him the nations. So we see Jesus's dominion in verse two. Whereas in verse one, it was more about Jesus living in our hearts. In verse two, it's about Jesus' dominion. Okay, now let my life be added to his treasure. Let our praise be pleasing unto him. With one voice, we speak to all creation singing, open up and let the kingdom in. Now we're, you see it in kind of present tense, future tense. We you know, the people who want, are inviting God to make our heart his home are now speaking to all creation. So it's not just about personal salvation. We're even singing to creation, let the kingdom in, right? So again, we have this contrast. On the one hand, it's my heart we're talking about. On the other hand, it's everything is going to be made his home. He deserves it all. So we're zooming out and we're zooming in, we're zooming out and we're zooming in. Those two themes make it throughout the entire song. But because I'm not just staying in one spot, it propels the song. You still get momentum. You still get that contrast. 
because we're balancing back and forth between the two things that make it your home can mean. All right, let's continue on. The fourth thing that your song needs is called the gear change, aka the bridge. Look at the bridge. God with us, God with us, God with us, Emmanuel. What's the point of the bridge? The point of the bridge is a breather before the last chorus. So the the uh, order of events for this song is verse one, chorus, verse two, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. So we all know that the, the chorus is going to come. You know, that's our one big thought. We're going to hit that again before the end of the song. So what a gear change means, and and that next part, we're doing more or less than we were doing on the chorus, is I have a pretty wordy chorus, right? There, there was a lot that I wanted to say in that chorus. Well, I made it a point not to say very much in the bridge because I said a lot in the chorus. I need to give everybody a chance to breathe. So in the chorus, that God with us section, those notes are held out long, right? And Emmanuel, there's only five notes. No, 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 God with us, Emmanuel. Oh, four words in the whole bridge. So we have long notes. We have a simple thought. It matches, come and make it your home, matches Emmanuel, the whole idea of Emmanuel, God with us, is this community of, of God and man. But I'm doing it in as few words as I possibly can because that's, in this case, what the bridge is for. In other songs where I've had a somewhat simpler chorus, you know, lyrically, it's it's not got many syllables, then I would have a bridge where I did add more syllables and kind of packed them in there because that also gave us a breather. It's like, oh, well, that was an interesting contrast. You had few words in the chorus. Let's have more words in the bridge. In this case, it was we had more words in the chorus, so let's have fewer words in the bridge. But that's what the gear change is for. Sometimes in modern worship songs, you'll see that the the gear change can actually be up where the, the bridge might even outshine. It's like a second chorus. But you've got to make sure that they're different enough that you're not just feeling, you know, exhausted by the end of it. Like, oh, my chorus was big and then my bridge was big. You know, you've got to have a contrast somewhere. And that's the fourth thing that your song needs. So let's recap. These are the four things that any worship song needs. First is the setup, and that's verse one. You establish the setting, earn our attention, and lead us to your one big thought. The second thing you need is the one big thought. Tell us what to sing. Tell us what to remember. Tell us what matters most. You don't have time for you know, a whole novel, you need one thing, and this is the most important thing. Number three, you need the reason to continue, and that's verse two. You have to introduce conflict. There has to be a reason to keep listening. You need to change the time or the space, or make us rethink your one big thought in some way. Some songwriters, you'll find that their chorus may mean one thing based upon the first verse, but then you read the second verse, you come back to that chorus and it means something totally different. That's an amazing trick to use with, uh, with your verses. That takes some skill. But again, there has to be a reason to keep listening or else people won't listen. And then you'll have to think of all sorts of ways to distract them from the fact that your verse two is no good. That's probably the hardest thing to do in your songwriting. And finally, number four, you need the gear change, and that's the bridge. 
You have to change it up before the last chorus in some way. Do more or less, so either have more words or fewer words in your bridge than you did in your chorus, go up or go down compared to your chorus, but do something different so that when we come back to that chorus, it feels fresh again. Hey, I hope that episode helps you. I firmly believe that every church should have at least one songwriter, if not more, writing songs for their own community that expresses their heart toward God. Remember to go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks to download my free PDF on worship arranging. And for you electric guitar players, Sparkling Electric Guitar is on sale until Christmas for only $35. All right, until next week, God bless and goodbye.